Welcome to our 67th episode of Two Tankers and a Cat. We're your host. I'm Charlie. And this is Russell. Five months. I know. People were like, yep. did you and Russell get in a huge fight or something? And I'm like, <laughs> no, we actually posted on our Facebook. Oh, you guys didn't see the picture of the black eye? I thought I posted that. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, how is your, you know, the police work in oh, Southeast Kansas? wow. It's just... I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. It's gets worse almost every week. I don't know how to explain it, man. It's just well, you, it, it, it's a lot. You you've got one in the academy right now, right? Uh, yeah. And I'm getting ready to send another one here pretty quick. So that should give you two. Yeah, and that should give some pressure. And we've off got you. another one in October that'll come to the streets in October, but I don't know. We're still down so many that. I mean, nobody wants to stick around. I mean, nobody, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know what the answer is, but it's, it's, I, it's not good. It's been what, almost two years since I've retired. Yeah. And, uh, I'll tell you, honestly, I, I wouldn't go back for anything. Oh man. Uh, yeah. It, it, it's, it, it's changed so much. It's so indescribable. I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah, it, it's not back. Nobody wants to do the job anymore. I mean, nope. and, and I just don't know what the answer is, but. Talking about world news, Australia, I've been watching their Skyline News, I think it's called. Oh, yeah. Man. I know. They they lay it down straight. Yeah. They, it is it is a sad time in the commentary in the United States when citizens literally have to go to another country's news. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've been doing that for quite some time. Yeah. yeah well, lately, it, I mean. You know, I always hope that be a turnaround and stuff like that. And, and now we have people just ashamed of us for the uh, Afghanistan stuff. I and, know. You know, that's a terrible situation. Yes, it is. But uh, to get back on track, there were so many rumors. uh, We did a Object 709 episode that uh, somebody had. We technically didn't write that. And we have since me and Russell got together and said, listen, we're going to do our own research and stuff like that. This person uh, wanted to help us and, uh, d- did a pretty bad job yeah. and there was a lot of mistakes. There was a lot of, uh, bad conclusion, uh, a lot of bad history. So we went ahead and pulled that episode. We're, we're going to do another one. Um, I'm working on it, but translating Russian using Google translate. Hmm. Good Lord. It's, oh, it's a wow. pain in the yeah. butt. I, I don't know if I can, I don't have the time to do that kind of stuff right now. Well, I do. <laughs> oh, uh, we wanted to give a quick shout out to, uh, everybody that kept giving us messages. Oh yeah. Very uh, much appreciated. They uh, all Craig went, and, uh, and Antonio yeah. and well, just tons. They're like, Hey, are you guys in trouble? Are you guys getting back? And I'm like, we've put on our Facebook that Russell's working how many hours did you work? I don't know. I, I can't even tell you how many overtime I've, hours I've had in the last three to four months. It's just been incredible. Well, it'd be over 90, wouldn't it? Oh, easy. Yeah. That's there was it. one two-week period. I know I had 37 hours overtime. And, yep, I was working pretty much straight through. It was So, ladies and gentlemen, it, it's not me and Russ are mad at each other or no, lightning died or anything. No. In fact, lightning's walking around here when we were setting up she was being a pest 
Yeah. But uh, uh, no, everything is good. It's just a simple fact that, you know, Russell is in the trenches. I mean, he's an actual patrol man. I mean, he gets in the police car and goes yeah. out and he's no detective or nope. desk jockey or anything no. like that. He's out here and you guys had have had some major crimes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In this small town, I think we've got, what, eight or 9,000 people and, and we've got some big city crime. I mean, the, well, dr- the drugs are just overtaking uh, I was everything. Looking at Southeast Kansas uh, crime stats by the FBI and I think it was Crawford County is the number one in property crime in the entire state. As many and, and stolen then, vehicles as they've been having con- constantly, just well, every day, two you, or three vehicles. It, it's bad around yeah. here. And uh, I think around this area is the number one in violent crime. And uh, we definitely have number one in drugs. Oh, wow. Drugs are so Man. bad around here. Oh, yeah, it's horrible. But um, had to fight a dude the other day to arrest his ass for come to find out he was on PCP and marijuana. And man, he was like superhuman. And it, it's it, it, it's nope. not easy at my age to be wrestling around with these idiots. It's it, You've got what, another year before retirement? Or yeah, two? another year. And, in, and I promise you, we've always said we've got tons of tanks to par- talk about and we're going to continue with the show. It, it's It's time. Yeah. And until you can get in a position like I am. Yeah, I know. You know. I mean, you haven't even got a chance to go out and do a big vacation this no, year. No, I haven't done that since I've been working here in this town. That's, nope. That's insane. Don't even, they won't even give us any time off, really, because they're... They can't. No, there's no opportunities. Oh, again, we got off topic. We're, we're talking about stuff. We're going to do our shout-outs at the end. Just the amazing support that we've gotten, you know, for five months. Oh, yeah. I mean, we've thrown up been incredible i took a trip down to oklahoma we did that and i did some other tank museums and did some stuff did you see the oklahoma video yeah i did good god i was stunned oh man i can't believe that i know that was inedible don't do drugs kids (laughs) don't do drugs i think we should get straight on topic and what tank are we talking about today we're gonna discuss the samua s35 oh that's that world war ii tier or I'm, I'm using world <laughs> world of tanks tier three tank um, no i'm sorry that's a, a world war ii uh french tank yeah it's a french tank and then uh what's our second key point today yeah the second key point for the day is going to be the battle of hanout nice probably butchered that but we'll uh, have some fans out there that'll uh, correct us i'm sure the first they're going to say you're saying the s35 tank wrong yeah and they're uh, going battle of hanut <laughs> hanut you know it's h-a-n-n-u-t but we it was do basic- take corrections I'll, oh yeah i'll take them <laughs> that was the battle of belgium wasn't it yeah 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 yeah, yeah. okay russ let's get on topic and discuss uh, the s35 the samua S-35 was a French cavalry tank of the Second World War. It was built from 1936 until 1940 to equip the armored divisions of the cavalry. It was, for its time, a relatively agile, medium-weight tank, superior in armor and armament to its foreign competitors, such as the contemporary versions of the German Panzer III medium tank. It was constructed from well-sloped, mainly cast armor sections, which, however, made it expensive to produce and time-consuming to maintain. During the German invasion of May 1940, the Samoa S-35 proved itself to be a tactically and effective type, but this was negated by the French command's strategic mistakes in deploying their cavalry armored divisions. 
After the defeat of France in June 1940, limiting production to a total of about 440, captured Samoa S-35s were used by the Axis powers, some of them on the Eastern Front. Now, I know a little bit about this tank because of World of Tanks, and, uh, but I did pull up some of the old pictures and stuff like that. Man, this was a weird-looking little thing. Yeah, it, it is. You know, people said, hey, you know, uh, the, it looks like it, you just walk walk over there and push it over. Yeah. And uh, we're going to get into some of the weird things about this tank. But, uh, you know, even in the game, World of Tanks, the, the little French thing is way better than that Panzer 1C and yeah. Panzer 2. I'm sorry. Panzer uh, one, Panzer two. Got to be careful. I'm, I'm getting too much game knowledge into historical. I can't help it. I'm a key, I'm, we're keyboard historians. <laughs> On March 25th, 1936, the AC4 design was accepted as the standard medium tank of the French cavalry, with the official name designated as the AMC 1935S. When a first order for 50 was made. The tank was then more commonly known as the Samoa S-35, or S for Samoa, and 35 for the year 1935, which was the year of introduction. Today, the even shorter abbreviation, S-35, is most often used in English sources, usually with a hyphen. The mass production vehicles would have the longer SA-35 gun. Originally, a total production of 600 were planned to provide each of the three cavalry armor divisions with 200 tanks each. Later, budgetary restraints led to a more gradual and limited procurement. In 1936, a second order was made of 50, followed by 100 in 1937, and two orders of 125 each in 1938, resulting in total pre-war order of 450 units. Okay, so that's where the 35 comes from. You were saying that it got the 35 because it was made in 1935, the year of introduction. I didn't know that, but now that makes sense. Um, Russ, go ahead and give us the, like a description of the tank. The hull and turret were castings with a maximum thickness of 47 millimeters and 40 millimeters respectively. The former of four sections bolted together. Two longitudinal plates formed the bottom. The superstructure was divided in a front and back section. The turret was a variant of the APX-1 as used on the Char B-1. The suspension was designed by Eugene Brille, the same man who had developed the first French tank, the Schneider CA-1. He had worked with the Czech Skoda company and based his design on that of the LT-35, which had eight road wheels paired on four bogies with leaf springs and equally large tension wheel. The first 50 vehicles had tracks consisting of 144 track lengths, each length with a length of 75 millimeters. Later vehicles had 103 lengths of 105 millimeters. See, going back, uh, you said that they bolted those castings on and everything, and we all learned the hard way, don't use rivets, yeah. don't use bolts, yeah. because when it gets hit, just another, things just shear right off. Just another projectile, yeah. Yep. You know, I keep thinking about the poor Japanese tanks getting hit with, you know, our Shermans yeah. with their 105s with high explosives, and those things would just collapse, you know, just fall in on oh, each other. Oh, I know. Yeah. All those rivets would break out. And Man. Don't use rivets and bolts. <laughs> yeah. The engine was in the rear of the hull, side by side with two self-sealing fuel tanks. 
of 100 and 400 liters respectively, separated from the fighting compartment by a firewall bulkhead. The nominally 200 horsepower engine, designed by Javier Sabine, drew fuel from the smaller tank, which was itself automatic replenished from the larger one. Inexperienced crews sometimes made the mistake of only filling the smaller tank. Engine and suspension maintenance was difficult and time-consuming due to poor accessibility, though this was improved in later vehicles. The S35 had an automatic fire extinguishing system using several tanks placed at critical spots containing methyl bromide. We're going to hear some more about inexperience. I feel this tank is another example of when the engineers should have talked to the guys in the field. You know, they're like, hey, man, the gas tank on this thing sucks. They're like, well, you're gassing the wrong tank. you got to <laughs> gas the big one. Well, it's Oops. not, it's not ro- <laughs> you know, written down. Yeah. When we were talking about the fire extinguishing system, I used the methyl bromide. Uh, those not familiar with methyl bromide, it was once used in specialty fire extinguishers prior to our advent of uh less toxic halogen, uh, as in is electrically non-conductive and leaves no residue. It was used primarily for, you know, electrical substations, uh, military uh, aircraft and other industrial hazards. It was never as popular as other agents due to its high cost and toxicity. Uh, Brothane was used from 1920 to the 1960s, and continued to be used in aircraft uh, engine fire suppression systems until late 1960s. Didn't they used to have little glass balls of methyl bromide that you could use at your house? There'd be like four or five of these crystal or little crystals full, full of it, and if there was a fire, you just threw it and it shattered and all of a sudden it sucked Boy, all the air up. It may have been before my time, Charlie. I don't, I no, don't I'll remember have to, that. I'll have to read into that. I, we weren't rich enough to have a fire extinguisher growing up. So. Yeah, you use buckets <laughs> of water, yeah. yeah someone, like the garden hose. <laughs> you know, I, I fought a couple of fires with garden hose. Sometimes yeah. that, that doesn't work real good. Uh, Russell, give us some of the tactical uses of this tank. Like the British and the Soviets, the French believed in a strict division of labor between cavalry tanks and infantry tanks. By law, tanks were limited to the infantry, and the cavalry had to name its tanks armored cars. Quick butt in, Russ. Uh, the French word uh, for tanks is chars, and uh, the French word for armored car is auto-militariosus, or auto-militarios. Ah, I'm killing it. <laughs> you know, I hate to say it, the world's I didn't mad take at... any French in school. So but you traveled to France. I know, I know. We've talked about that story. Yeah, we did. Russ was a Spanish student, <laughs> and they said, hey, we're going to France. And <laughs> that kind of says hey, something about your education, doesn't it? It does. They're like, um, okay, we took Spanish, but hey. instead of this going to Spain, we're going to go to France. <laughs> I think one of your teachers just wanted to go to Paris. I think so, yeah. The French army preferred to fight a defensive battle and was convinced it would be victorious in such an engagement, but understood that the strategic situation might impose the necessity of waging offensive warfare. During the Second World War for 1941, large offensives against Germany were planned based on an expected French and British material superiority. So they were... Basically, the British and French had had enough of trench warfare. 
They were like, uh, 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 that, that sucks. <laughs> we should be able to whip Germany because they were still trying to get on their feet, trying to yeah. build tanks. And British and French had tons of material. So they're the, you know what, if it starts again and we'll just use an offensive and we'll just move in. You know, like they said, they're using Soviet and British tactics. You know, they're going to use their big B1s or mm-hmm. B4 Shars or whatever um, tanks. We're going to have to talk about the heavy tank for the French infantry. Yeah. And then these S35s just to break through. Uh, that, that's kind of uh, cool. That is. That's All right. Deal. Russ, go on. I'm sorry. Each of the two phases of an offensive, the breakthrough by the infantry and the exploitation of it by the cavalry, the Samoa S-35 was optimized to fulfill the latter role. It had good speed, an adequate range, a gun powerful enough to easily destroy its two probable opponents, which were the Soviet BT-7 and the German Panzer III, and armor thick enough to be practically immune to the fire of both at normal Battle ranges, the armor of any German tank in May 1940 could be penetrated by the S-35's 47mm gun up to a range of about 1,000 meters or 3,300 feet. So it could carry out deep strategic penetrations and destroy enemy armor reserves trying to prevent them possessing a good anti-tank capacity. Now, we're going to get questions like, what do you mean the French were expecting to fight the BT-7? And German Panzers. This is where we're, we're going to have to, like we've always said, our show was to get you to crack a book. You need to crack a book because Germany and the Soviet Union had made a deal and were kind of, I hate to say this, kind of allies. And they even split Poland up. You know, the Germans came in and then the Soviets came in to split it. Yeah. So they're thinking, uh, we're going to have to fight the Russians too, and we're going to have to fight their BT-7. That would have been, that would have been a different oh, world. It would have, yeah. That would have been a different world. It really would have been. The S-35 is sometimes described as the best medium tank of the 1930s. I can see now that in the 1930s, uh, just looking at tank, it was probably the best tank, but it had some obvious flaws. Um, tell us about those, Russell. The cavalry acknowledged three flaws at the tactical the operational and the strategic levels. The main tactical flaw was the hatchless cupola forcing the commander to fight buttoned up. This had been caused by the need to adopt the APX-1 turret purely for budgetary reasons. Uh, again, that's the guy in the field mm-hmm. not talking to the engineers. Exactly, yeah. You know, you're you're getting these big highfalutin, you know, Let's get officers. this thing built. Let's get this thing out there without proper testing and talking to it but yeah can you guys imagine having a turret you can't even pop out and look Mm. out you're all you're all buttoned up yeah but that that'd be kind of scary not a good thing yeah can you imagine being the commander up there and just looking through the thing and no way to get out the top yeah no but in the 1930s that was everything was still under development back then too i mean it was all still fairly new tanks were new there was a few in World War One, and we've been through a few of those, but I mean, mm-hmm. the second flaw was the operational flaw was its poor mechanical reliability. The suspension units were too weak and too complicated, demanding enormous maintenance efforts, especially since the cast armor modules did not allow easy access to the suspension and engine. Repairing broken tracks in the field was nearly impossible. Now, we've... 
There, there's another thing. What happens on the field? You got to be able to gas it. And these guys are d- don't know. They're filling up the small gas tank. Yeah. You, you can't fix the tracks in the field. The strategic flaw was the high unit price of the tank, which was 982,000 French francs, and the limited number of large cast sections that could be produced. The tank had to be supplemented by a cheaper type, and the only one available had been the Hotchkiss H35, much inferior to armor, armament, and speed, even after it had been improved to the H39 variant. The cavalry had a very low opinion of the fighting value of this light tank. It decided to keep a large number of S-35s in the core of their armored divisions and rejected the easy method of raising more of them by dividing the S-35s among the cavalry light divisions. Okay, your officers in the field that are reporting to the big commanders are like, hey, listen, these H-35s and these H-39s are kind of junk. You know, they're they're not going to protect us. We're going to need more of these S-35. And they're like, well... They're almost a what a million francs, nine hundred eighty, yeah. almost a million francs to build one. We'll tell you what, we're going to spread them out, you know, so everybody gets a couple. Bad idea, <laughs> bad idea. On January fifteenth, nineteen thirty-eight, four of these tanks were operational. By July nineteen thirty-eight, one hundred twenty-eight holes had been delivered, but only ninety-six tanks were completed with turrets. In the spring of 1939, the number of operational tanks had increased to 192, the two armored divisions of the cavalry having obtained their normal strength. On September 1st, 1939, the start of the war, 270 had been produced and 246 delivered. 191 of them actually served with the troops. 51 were in the depot and 4 had been sent back to the factory for overhaul. After the outbreak of the war on September 21st, A sixth order of 50 was made, followed by a final order of 324, bringing the ordered total to 824 tanks. Later, it was decided that from the 451st vehicle onward, the tanks would be of the improved S-40 type. Production, in fact, totaled around 440 by June of 1940. They know this tank's good. The war breaks out, and then they start producing. If you know the world's going to go to war, I mean, things are written on the wall. You know, people say, well, the French didn't know, or the British didn't know, you know, at that time. They, you know, they, they had spies back then, oh, yeah. and they, they had people watching. They knew exactly there was trouble a brew. Sure. Be interesting to go back and read in history on how far out they knew. Exactly. Because I'm sure it was several months, if not a little long. I don't know. Be interesting. Let's say we have a, a Mexico down below us, and of course Mexico would never do this. As they're a valued ally, and um, nothing like that would ever happen. But if Mexico started building thousands of tanks and moving them towards United States border, maybe we might want to get ready. But even before them tanks are being built and they're spending all that money, somebody in our sure you know spy network yeah. is going to say, "Hey, listen." Of these, about 288 were in the front-line service at the beginning of the Battle of France with the three armored divisions of the cavalry. Each of these had an organic strength of eight squadrons with 10 S-35s. Each squadron, however, had a material reserve of two tanks, and regimental and brigade commanders in practice had personal tanks too, resulting in a total of 88 vehicles per division. So the big officers and stuff are like, 
well, I'll need my own personal <laughs> tank. Well, like, well, no, you need to get out there and, and well, no, uh, mine's got to have like a tea kettle. <laughs> <laughs> we are going to talk about the, an actual battle involving the tanks on our second point, um, like we said. So let's fast forward to what happened after the French surrendered. I mean, what the Germans had these tanks, what'd they do with them? After the June 1940 armistice, 23 S-35s were allowed to be sent to West Africa to bolster the hold of the Vichy regime on that region after French forces in Africa had sided with the Allies. They operated them against German and Italian forces during the Tunisia campaign. After taking part in the Tunisia victory parade, 12 S-35s were replaced by M4 Shermans but crews often affix the Samoa plate on their new tanks. You know what? That's some dedication. They're like, you know, these are the things that we had. These are the things that we were trained on and kept us in the battle and the fight. So they knew they had superior tanks coming in. Yeah. So they just took off the plates and said, you know what? Hey. You know, we ride on the barrels, you know. Sure. You know, you know yeah. some people put their names of their tanks on the sides and stuff. The French just grabbed their old metal plates and put them on there. Sure. I'm like, okay. Hey. After the liberation of France in 1944, an armored unit was raised, among which were 17 S-35s. So even after the liberation, uh, these S-35s were still being used, just because that's all they had. Yeah, sure. I mean, seriously, good info, uh, Russ. Uh, but during the occupation by Germany, and I know the Germans needed tanks for some of their Axis partners. Tell us some about it, like we were talking about, that's foreign service. After the fall of France, 297 of the tanks were captured and were taken into service with the Wehrmacht as the Panzer Kampfwagen 35-S 739. The Germans modified the cupola by cutting its top off and installing a simple hatch. On December 10, 1940, the first German tank unit equipped with French Panzers, was formed. The Panzer Regiment 201, with 118 tanks, 36 of these were the S-35s, and the rest were 38Hs. On February 10, 1941, Panzer Regiment 202 was established with 54 of the S-35s. The S-35s saw action on the Eastern Front near Zevastpol in 1942 in Yugoslavia for anti-partisan duties. Some of the captured S-35s were delivered to German allies, 32 to Italy in 1941, 2 to Hungary in 1942, and 6 to Bulgaria in 1943. They were used by the Italians to equip a tank battalion, S-35, for the 131st Tank Infantry Regiment that ended up in Sardinia. The Bulgarian vehicles were used by police units. Okay, basically they made two units, and this... These units saw action on the uh, Eastern Front, and then some were sent to Yugoslavia to do the anti-partisan yeah. uh, duties. But the the spare tanks that they had, they sent to Italy for their uh, defense of Sardinia. You know what Sardinia is? You know where Sicily is? Yeah, it, it's another island. Oh, okay, just okay. right by there. So they put that those tanks out there and said, okay. That's in case of like an allied invasion. Okay. All right. Yeah. Awesome stuff, Russ. Wow. But you know, my favorite part is the stats. So let's get to the stats. 
The S35s were designed between 1934 and 1935. The manufacturer, like we talked about, was Samoa, and they were actually produced between 1935 and June of 1940. They had 440 of them were built. They weighed 19.5 ton. That's a fat little boy. Wow, it is. They were 5.38 meters or 17 feet 8 inches long. They were 2.12 meters or 6 foot 11 inches wide. They were 2.62 meters or 8 foot 7 inches high. Good God. I know. That is a fat, thin tank. If you guys haven't seen pictures of this tank, you need to go and say, you know, going on the side of a hill, the first thing the Germans did. Was cut a yeah cut a make hatch a cupola, in. Yep. This is the stupidest thing we ever lightning. Well, ladies and gentlemen, as usual, we get lightning jumping around and knocking stuff and over. <laughs> oh well, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Russ. The tank had a crew of three, which consisted of the driver, the radio operator, and the commander and gunner. The whole front armor was 47 millimeters thick. The turret front armor was 42 millimeters thick. The hull sides and turret sides were 40 millimeters, and the top was 20 millimeters. Okay, I want to butt in. So it's got three people in this big, tall, fat boy, and there's the driver who's actually driving, and there's the radio operator that also has to help the commander when he's loading and stuff like that. But the commander, who's stuck in a hatchless cupola, (laughs) has to reach down, help with loading, (sighs) and, and shoot. Yeah. That yeah. that could be a serious problem. That could be. But go ahead. Wow. Yeah, because the commander's got to figure out where they're going. Plus, and if the radio man's talking <laughs> on the radio, good lord, man, you got to pick up the round, yeah. load it, click it, set back down. Hold on, I got to shoot. <laughs> that might be maybe a bad idea. The main armament was the forty-seven millimeter SA thirty-five gun. The secondary armament was a 7.5 millimeter coaxial machine gun. The engine was a Samoa V8 petrol engine, which cranked out about 190 horsepower. The power to weight ratio was 9.7 horsepower per ton. The suspension consisted of a leaf spring bogey system. The fuel capacity was 510 liters or 130 US gallons. And it had an operational range off-road at about... 130 kilometers or 81 miles or on road that consisted of 230 kilometers or 140 miles. If they put the gas in the right gas tank. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Very true. The maximum speed of the tank was 40.7 kilometers or 25.3 miles per hour on road and off road. It speed was 32.2 kilometers an hour or 20 miles per hour. Okay. So you got leaf springs bogies. Yeah. Which are a little rough. Yeah, that'd be rough uh, riding. And, and it's weighing almost 20 tons. Yeah. And it's eight foot tall. Man. You know, going down the road, probably not a problem. Yeah. But, you know, climbing the side of a hill or, you know, going through rocks and breaking a track. I know. And, and then you have to have somebody come out and get the tank and load it up yeah. and take it back because you can't fix the track in, yeah. the, in the field. Man, there were some serious oh, flaws, yeah. but like we said, it was probably the best tank yeah. in the 1930s. At the time, yeah. Well, this thing was a chunky monkey. But um, let's jump to the second point, which is the Battle of Hanut. The Battle of Hanut was a Second World War battle fought during the Battle of Belgium, which took place between May 12th and 14th of 1940. 
at Hanit in Belgium. It was the largest tank battle in the Belgium campaign. It was also the largest clash of tanks in armored warfare history at the time. So this is the big battle in the beginning. Yeah. Beginning of the war. And it was definitely the biggest of the, this campaign, the Battle of Belgium. The Germans reached the Hunnet area just two days after the start of the invasion of Belgium. The German plan was for this sector called for an assault by airborne and shock troops to take Fort Eben and Albert Canal bridges, thus opening a way through to the Dutch and Belgium defenses for the 4th Panzer Division. So two days, they push through the Ardennes Forest pretty quick. They get up in Belgium and... The fights, they're getting ready for it, but they're already way up inside Belgium. They send in paratroopers to capture the bridges in this fort, Man. and they have that taken so they can go get across these bridges. The French had two brigades. One of these, the Combat Brigade, contained two tank regiments, each regiment having two medium tank squadrons equipped with the Samoa S-35. Each squadron's strength was 44 S-35s and 43 H-35s. The other brigade contained a reconnaissance regiment with three squadrons of 22 tanks each using AMR-35 tanks. Now, the AMR-35s, have you seen those? Probably not the tank yeah, you would pick. Yeah, If the That's another example of not having Man. the tanks you need for what you need to do. Sure. The entire corps had a total of 520 tanks. 176 were Samoa S-35s. Like their French counterparts, the German armored divisions were using 252 Panzer 1s, 234 Panzer 2s, 82 Panzer 3s, and 50 Panzer 4s. Thus, they had a total of 618 tanks. Panzer 1, if you, you need to look at that picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, Get yeah, online or yeah. crack a book. And the Panzer One was basically a machine gun tank. Yeah, yeah. It was basically a training tank uh, for their Panzer guys. I mean, this was kind of like some of their first training tanks. Yeah. And the Panzer II had a, a little two centimeter cannon. Now, the Panzer IV had a 7.5, which was a good gun. Uh, but the other two, the first two, the Panzer One and Panzer II, they wouldn't even. No. Break off the bolts. <laughs> you know, that machine gun just sit there and... Ta, 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 ta. Golly. And their 40 millimeter gun or whatever uh, gun that thing had would, would just go right through it. Sure. So Man. people are like, well, they had the Panzer IV. Yeah, they had 50 of them. That, that's not a lot. No, it's not. And they were using those as, you know, basically in the back. Yeah. All these Panzer ones and Panzer twos were quick and they were sent them up front. Mm. Now, the Panzer III, it, it had a pretty good gun. It it had, uh, what, the 3.5 centimeter? That, you know, hitting the sides and stuff. Yeah, that was an effective tank. Yeah. You know, that'd be a good tank battle. Mm-hmm. Now, the Panzer IV, you know, shoot right through it. But uh, go ahead, Russ. On May 12, 1940, the Germans raced to seize their first objective, Hanut, reaching the area that morning. General Hopner ordered the 3rd and 4th Panzer Divisions to concentrate on and secure Hanut to secure the 6th Army's flank. Okay, so this general says, I'm going to send in my 3rd and 4th Panzer Divisions, and that way it's going to protect my 6th Army that's pushing up. So basically, it's a flanking position, or uh, protecting the flanks. So they're sending these guys in. Noting his lack of fuel and his division's artillery and infantry support that had not yet caught up with the armor, which made an immediate assault on Hanut risky. 
Major General Stever of the 4th Panzer Division requested an airdrop of fuel. Concluding that he was only facing one French battalion, he engaged the French defenses. That morning, the 4th Panzer Division made contact with a French armored force of some 25 tanks. The 4th Panzer Division destroyed seven of the French tanks for no losses. So this major general uh, of the 4th Division is the first one poking in, and he knows that his artillery isn't up where he needs to be, and his infantry isn't where he's supposed to be, and he needs gas literally dropped to him. So he, so basically he means he's low on gas. So he's like, okay, we're going to just poke in there. Don't go into a full engagement. And he finds these 25 French tanks and he's like, oh, well, they killed what? Seven of them? Destroyed seven of them. Tells everybody to hold up basically, or, you know, be key. There were some, some minor other actions. They said, okay, we're going to wait. You know, let's hunker down and wait for everybody. The battle on May 13th, the German forces attacked in the afternoon the Panzers were numerically superior and could be seen moving in large formations while the French operated in small groups and fired more slowly. From about 1500 to 1548 hours, the 3rd Panzer Brigade issued repeated urgent calls for anti-tank units and the Luftwaffe to deal with the French tanks. Okay, so, you know, the Germans are starting to, you know, get together and form up and stuff like that. And they see these French tanks and they're like, you know what? Let's don't risk our, you know, Panzer 1s and our Panzer 2s. Yeah. Let's just get the anti-aircraft or Should the anti-tank guys. Yeah. And, and like our, our what we did with the Shermans, mm-hmm. they're like, holy crap, there's a Panther tank. Well, let's don't go fighting face-to-face. Let's go back and have our artillery pound them. Sure. Or the, you know, Air Force pound them. Yeah. So they're being cool, but go ahead. The 5th Panzer Regiment suddenly found itself attacked in the flank and rear by superior French armored forces. The 5th Panzer Regiment sent the 1st Battalion back to its right, bringing the fight to a successful conclusion at about 1,600 hours. As the riflemen secured ORP, the Panzers put out an urgent call for 37 and 75 millimeter ammunition. Later, the French pushed the German armor back and dispatched 36 Samoa S-35s to halt German armor advancing from Orp. German armored forces then surprised the French as they attacked. An equal number of Panzers attacked from cover, defeating the French attack. The 4th is already engaged, and the 5th is kind of like moving up. And the 4th is like, well, c- kind of watch our back. You know, sit over here on the left or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they're near this little town called Orp. And uh, they're like, oh, okay. You know, we're, we're, you know, they're in there getting ready. And all of a sudden, here come the French. And they're starting to push back. And they're like, hey, wait a minute. The fourth <laughs> is fighting the tanks. They're, they're, wow. they're, you know, they're down there. What the hell are we dealing with? Exactly. I guess you call that the fog of war. <laughs> so the fifth, you know, finally gets their stuff together and, they're like, oh, okay, here come the French tanks. Let's get our Panzer IVs up and wait for them. And when the French, you know, came across open fields, they they sat there and shot from cover and kind of yeah. smoked them. Yeah. The French launched raids against the still vulnerable flanks of the 4th Panzer Division, and some small groups of French tanks broke through, but were quickly dealt with by the German 654th Anti-Tank Battalion. Now, see... They got their, the Germans are consolidated. They got the third, the fourth, and the fifth all in this area. Yeah. Okay. But the French generals had broke them up into 
you know, small groups. So these small groups see a place that they can punch through and start attacking the flanks. If that had been a consolidated French force, they'd have smoked those guys. Oh, yeah. Heck yeah, they would have. At this point, the 3rd Panzer Division and 4th Panzer Division were advancing to Gendrain. Outside the town, a bitter tank battle took place. The German forces secured the area in town. German forces reported taking 400 prisoners. And the 3rd Panzer Brigade reported a tally for the day of 54 French tanks knocked out and 5 captured. They're sending small units of these French tanks in. But the third and the fourth are consolidated, and they're talking to each other, and they're like, hey, we're over here getting hit. Why don't the third come over here, and we'll pincer them in this town and catch them? And they did. And they end up uh, smoking, what, 54 tanks? Yeah, it's a little bit better tactics than the French had. Battle on May 14th uh, was an attack on Perez. The German attack on Perez came in the morning of May 14th. The 3rd Panzer Division was to engage the new Allied line near Gimbleau, while the 4th Panzer Division were to break through its center at Perwez. The attack to commence without infantry support. Always a bad idea. Oh, man. The 4th Panzer Division engaged French armor, which resisted heavily in wooded areas around Perwez. After hard fighting, the French defenses were destroyed. The French had redistributed and spread its tank battalions out and unsupported. Again, the Germans have made a kind of yeah. an error. They're pushing against these French French tanks that are dug in and everything. But again, they're spread out. If they had consolidated and hit them or waited for them to come charging in and hit, they'd have been fine. But this 4th Division was consolidated. They had radio-to-radio radio tanks, and, and they moved right in and started picking off. And if they had a problem somewhere... They called for other tanks to sit there and help them kill them. Bad idea. Bad idea. I know. The 3rd Panzer Division was halted due to fierce resistance. Bitter fighting resulted in the appearance of large numbers of French tanks panicked the German command into thinking a major counterattack was developing, when in fact they were just rear guard actions. Both sides suffered significant losses in armor. They've taken this town, and the 3rd's like, we're going to go charging in. And... They're like, holy crap, we found them all. Here, Here's all the tanks they are going to counterattack. Well, they're radioing that back. They're like, hey, we've got a lot of tanks. And, and the general's got to think, I need to move my infantry up. I need to bring gas up. I need to bring ammunition up. I need to consolidate and get ready to push back and get in defensive. But the French are trying to hightail it, and they just caught the end of it. Can you imagine... If the 3rd, the 4th, and the 5th Division had just moved forward and smashed the French right then and there, I know. they'd have had all the unprotected they rear have. of the French, and yeah. that, that would have been a That would have been it, yeah. The German Panzer 3s and 4s were the only German tanks that could outmatch the Samoa S-35 in battle. The Samoa S-35 was generally considered to be one of the most formidable tanks during the campaign in the West. German tactics proved superior... By using radio to coordinate maneuvers, the Germans outwitted the French, who were limited to rigid static positioning, as in the First World War. The French tanks could not communicate with such fluidity or rapidity. The French missed tactical and operational opportunities and were poorly coordinated. The German tanks also had more crew members, so the commander could concentrate on command tasks 
But French commanders had to act as gunner and assistant gunner. Act as a gunner and assistant loader. I yeah, guess. and then yeah. load. Yeah, Assist, yeah, gunner and loader. When people say, "No, you said the French tanks had a radio operator." That's the radio operator calling back to headquarters. Okay. Yeah. They're not talking tank, tank to tank. tank. Yeah. Tank and the tank. Panzers are talking tank to tank. So let's say you've got a French tank dug in good and. They're losing Panzer 1s and Panzer 2s going up there. They're like, hey, we've got somebody dug in. Yeah. They either call in artillery support. They bring in the bigger, heavier tanks like the Panzer 4 to smoke them from a distance. Or, or you know, aircraft. The French were trying to fight it like World War One, and they paid for it. What a great episode, Russ. Oh, I know. It has been. It's good to be back. Yeah, it is. I, I don't know when we're going to do our next one, but yeah. I know we're working on yeah. uh, You're working on an episode, and yeah. you're still working on your uh, round episode that you wanted to talk about all the different tank rounds. Yeah, yeah. Still working on all that. And yeah. uh, your birthday's coming up. Oh, yeah. And I gave him an early oh. birthday present yeah. with a... a Artillery Heck and yeah. uh, missile rounds. Heck yeah, that's neat. Um, who's that from? Tavio Diaz wrote that's this. A, yeah, yeah. It's a Lima publication, Armament and Technology, Artillery well, and Missiles. But that should have some of the rounds. Oh yeah, in there to yeah. help you do that. Big time. So again, again uh, a lot of people were worried about our Object Seven Hundred Nine episode, and uh, like we said, we uh, we trusted somebody. Yeah, and, I know. And and it, and it yeah backfired and it backfired so you know we're we're not mad at that person no, or anything no. else you know no. you just can't do certain things and, yeah and you need somebody to do good research yeah it's true. And, and i'm a good researcher and so are you it's just finding time oh i know it is and uh even as we're talking you still got a plan time to edit all yeah, this yeah, and stuff. it takes time to edit um can we do a patreon shout out before we get out of here well, i think we probably can you know, there's so many people that we need to thank that oh, wow. over these last five months. Stuck with us and incredible, incredible but, uh, support. Let's see. Uh, we had Jake. How do you say Jake's last name? Azaki. Yeah, he still stuck with us I and know. supported us. Knew we were coming back and had faith in us. I know. Uh, Kim and Eric uh, Shear. Yeah. Uh, Razbaz18. Who else? Antonio Bernarda. Oh, what a guy. Oh, I know. A high five oh, to him. He wow. was always... Yeah. Checking on us and stuff. He, he has been. Thanks, Antonio. Means and, a lot, man. And then who else do we have? Alejandro Martinez. Still with us. ODS Theron. Yep. And uh, good old Rick Schmidt. He it never is. gave up on no, us either. No. I think he was one of our first ones and yeah. stayed with us all this time and very much appreciated. And uh, What do you think? Are the, This year, are we going to have a chance to get up to Wyoming and Montana to see oh, that? Oh, man. I don't know how it can be this year, man. I well, don't know. you know, I just bought a brand new SUV. Yeah, and it's it's nice. Yeah, and I I'm putting in uh, the front everything behind the passenger the front passenger seat. Yeah, is going to be a wood flooring with a bed in there. Yeah, and I've already got the refrigerator and the tank or not tank, but the tent that goes over the hatchback. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, you put pop up the hatch and mm. it adds more room. Wow! So I thought maybe we'd go yeah. up there and do some Grand Tetons. And yeah, hey. camp out there and man, that'd be nice. Wake up in the morning and have that oh, morning wow. mountain air hit yeah. us. Yeah, but uh, um, I'm gonna have to 
be able to get some time off before I can I hate to say it, do we're that. probably looking at retirement time. <laughs> uh, retirement time, by the time oh, he's I retired know. and he's like, I'm bored, Charlie. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to grab him and say, hey, let's go here. Oh, man. Um, was there so many people we need to thank? Oh, Craig I Moore know. stayed. Craig Moore, yeah. What a great guy. We've heard out of him a couple times during this period. Yep. He'd given us information. Yeah, means never a lot. gave up on us. No. Um, we've uh, also got another book, I believe, that we need to do a review on for him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've got a lot of stuff. He's got coming his uh, up How and, to Kill a Tiger, How to yeah, Kill a Panther. Um, yeah. And you can find this stuff on Amazon. Oh, yeah. All his stuff's for sale we, on Amazon. We need to give him Ed Webster. Yeah. Uh, Francis Pullman's T yeah. thirty four book. Um, we need to get those guys we out of do. there. We do, we do, and, and we still need to thank uh, Tank Encyclopedia, yeah, uh, and uh, everybody else that you know helped yep. us out. I know, I know. Tank Encyclopedia was kind of like, what the hell, guys? Yeah, but uh, uh, we still have mad respect for them. But like we said, we've cured our problem yeah. in the research department. So we'll be moving forward. We're going to, you know, finish buying equipment. Yeah. So when we do retire, or when you do retire, yeah. we're going to have the capability of doing high quality interviews yeah. and stuff like that. And uh, I've still been looking into the online stuff since Charlie's going to be moving a little bit further away. I'm going to have to figure out how to get all that set up. And yeah, but even though I'm moving, I'm going to make arrangements with my daughter to uh, get us discount flights. Oh, yeah. Uh, over to London. Yeah. Because I know when you Man. retire, I, I'm planning on doing the yeah. whole, not renting hotels and yeah. stuff like that, but hanging out with some of oh, our friends man. there. Yeah, that'd be neat. I wonder if Craig Moore would let us crash on his couch. I don't know. And we still need to go to New Zealand and uh, see uh, Tony, right? Tony, yeah. And his lovely wife. Yeah. Um, Tony, mad props to you guys oh, out in New I Zealand. Know. We know you. Got your hands full down there right yeah. now, sounds like. Yeah, bad things yep. all over the world right now. Yep. Um, New Zealand, uh Afghanistan, of course, um, just bad things going. Crazy that just five months worth of being off, we've got so much more to talk about. I mean, it's. Yeah. The, the, the tensions in, uh, in between India and China have gotten a little rough. Um, tensions with Ukraine and Russia is getting weird. And, uh, something I'd like to talk about in the near future too, is the Pakistani tank. The new one. Yeah. Yeah. On how it may not be. It may not be going forward or something like that. Yeah. I read a little article the other day on some of that. But, yeah, there's a lot to talk about. We have tons to talk about. And, and again, we thank you guys for sticking with us. We do. means but, a lot. Um, we're going to cut this episode a little short, and we're going to call it here. But um, this is Charlie. And this is Russell. As always, happy tanking, and have a great week.